We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We are recording this episode on Thursday, November 18th, as you know the Bears coming off of their bye week here. Now we're gearing up for Bears football being back this upcoming Sunday as they face off against the Ravens. Uh, Yusei, how are you doing today, man? I am doing well. It's nice to have some Bears football back on television, mainly because, I mean, everyone's looking forward to one thing and one thing only, Justin Fields. So, yeah, I'm doing well, but how are you? Yeah, doing good. You know, gearing up for Thanksgiving, of course, it's coming up next week. The Bears will be playing the Lions uh, next Thursday. So that's going to be pretty exciting, all things considered there, as we get to see Justin Fields on a national stage again. But like you said, we had this Ravens game coming up, but – you know, before we get into that, and we'll definitely be covering the Ravens game uh, near the end of this podcast today, we have a lot on our plate today in terms of uh, what we're going to be talking about in terms of not only the NFL in general, but college football, a couple of big games coming up this weekend. And then we were able to get a special interview with uh, Nate Collins, former player for the Chicago Bears uh, in 2012 and 2013. Uh we were happy to have him on the podcast and, and talk a little bit with him. So uh, we're going to have that interview for you guys today on this episode as well. But before we get to that, you said, I, I wanted to talk about this last week of NFL football because it was weird not seeing the bears uh, play this past weekend as, you know, of course they were on their bye week uh, hopefully getting a little bit fresher and healthier as they go into this back half of the season. But um, you know, it was a little odd not seeing the Bears football out there on Sunday and Monday night, but you know, I, I wanted to go to you on this one before we get into uh, some of the major news in college football. But were there any takeaways from you just watching the rest of the NFL landscape uh, this past weekend? 
Yeah, well, I certainly thought there were a number of games to kind of keep an eye on. I mean, look, you talk about the Chiefs and Raiders. Does it feel like the Chiefs are back? It's like, okay, 50% of me says yes. The other half of me says absolutely not. And the reason being is because the Chiefs did play a relatively weaker Raiders team that I certainly don't think is as good as the record really indicates. And then you look across the league. I mean, you're looking at a couple of the other NFC matchups. I mean, you had the... Cardinals taking on the Carolina Panthers. Now, that was certainly an interesting game because the Cardinals, they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins or quarterback Kyler Murray. And what happened in that game, I mean, they got trounced on, I think, like 34 to 10 or something. And it really just goes to show, hey, how important are Murray as well as Hopkins to the Cardinals' success? But really, how important would they be for any other team? And then you look at Packers, Seahawks, a game in Lambeau Field. Listen, I understand Lambeau Field is – Always going to be a tough venue to play and probably the toughest in the NFL. But also, I think that when you look at the entire situation, I mean, the Seahawks were really unable to get anything going. And then I think the one game that sticks out to me the most is um, Browns Patriots because, yeah, the Patriots absolutely trounced on the Browns, but we have to keep something big in mind. One of the things that we have to look at is that how the Patriots handled Mac Jones can kind of serve as an example for how the Bears should have handled Justin Fields going into the summer. So why do I bring that up? Because what did Matt Nagy do this summer, this past summer for training camp? He pretty much made everything all about Andy Dalton's going to be the starter, right? And so as a result, what happened is Dalton was the starter and Justin Fields not getting those crucial reps kind of has set Justin back in his development in terms of chemistry with the playmakers. Cause that's certainly a major part of how to have a successful quarterback, right. And building just that report for a rookie. And so Justin not having that kind of has basically set him back a bit more than we would like, because you'd think by now, if he was the starter, the outcome would probably be the offense would look vastly different. And so would the production numbers of guys like Robinson and Darnell Mooney. And so ultimately it was still a fun week, 10 of games, but I think that Patriots handling of Mac Jones kind of serves as an example of what happens when a franchise commits to their rookie quarterback from day one without directly saying, Hey, we're committed to this guy. Yeah, Mac, Mac Jones has probably been definitely been the most consistent rookie quarterback uh, this year, but I would say he's definitely been the best rookie quarterback so far in, in their respective careers. And um, obviously, I think he's in a really good situation there in New England with the coaching staff and the way they kind of overhaul their offense. They have a really good offensive line. They have a bruising, powerful running game. And of course, that defense is really starting to come into form, uh, which is what Bill Belichick led and coach defenses typically do um so you know I, I think you're right the patriots they're kind of a good blueprint of how to you know really put it all together for a rookie quarterback and put him in a good chance to succeed and you know how, how it goes back to justin fields i mean you're right i mean this is something where we kind of talked about it all off season how you know it, it, it kind of felt like a waste of time with andy dalton here being you know the the unquestioned starter you know you're not getting justin fields the needed reps that he needed to really kickstart his development early on in his career. And, and we're, we've been seeing it throughout this year that, you know, the chemistry hasn't been there with guys like Allen Robinson. Uh, you know, the coaching staff is, just, is still trying to figure out how to best maximize a player like Justin Fields in their offense. You know, it feels like they have two different um, identities of what they want to do offensively with, uh, you know, in between, you know, an Andy Dalton offense where it's going to be a lot of short stuff, a lot of dink and dunk, get the ball out of your hands quicks type of, 
uh, concepts there. And a guy like Justin Fields, who wants to push, push the ball down the field, he wants to attack vertically. You know, he's going to be hunting for deep shots and stuff like that. So um, I, I think you're right that, you know, juxtapositioning, juxtaposing uh, the development and the strategies for how both of these teams developed their quarterbacks where the Patriots, they made it known that while Cam Newton, you know, people forget that Cam Newton was still the, the, the starter at the time that Mac Jones was drafted and Mac, and Cam Newton was getting most of the first team reps. The Patriots weren't afraid to make it a open competition. And, you know, when Cam Newton went down, I think he had, he had COVID late in training camp. When that eventually happened, that kind of opened the door to where Mac Jones was already getting a lot of first team reps so when that that door opened, he was ready to maximize off of it and take advantage of that opportunity because he had already had the preparation beforehand. So I, I think that's definitely a good point to make. But in terms of you know my thoughts and on the general landscape of the NFL this week, um, I thought it was an ugly week of football to say the least. Like it felt like I was just watching Bears games for every single game. It was either a blowout or just an ugly low scoring affair where nothing really exciting was going on and. That kind of leads me into, in terms of like ugly play, that kind of leads me to the other quarterback in that uh, Patriots-Browns game. I kind of want to talk about this before we move on to the college football scene. Um, you know, this was a this is a big season for Baker Mayfield, quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. And I bring this up because, you know, the Browns, they lost to the Patriots 45-7. to It was one of those games where the Browns, they started off looking good. They had the run game going. Baker Mayfield, I think he had a touchdown on the, on the first drive of the game. And it looked like a classic, you know, Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski drive where they got the run game going. They got the play action going. uh, They got some easy design stuff for Baker Mayfield in the passing game. And after that, it was just downhill for this Browns team. And Baker Mayfield looked awful in this game before he had to eventually leave due to an injury in case Keenan came in and kind of had some snaps in the second half, which was basically just all garbage time. The game was over by then. Um, But Baker Mayfield did not look good in this game. And, you know, all the talk on, you know, in the NFL talk sphere and the media sphere surrounding, surrounding this Browns team was all the drama between Baker Mayfield and OBJ and Odell Beckham Jr. You know, why can't they get on the same page? And then Odell Beckham Jr. eventually gets cut and he goes out to the LA Rams who <laughs> coincidentally had one of their worst games of the season, which I, I won't be getting to here, but um you know, it just goes to show that, you know, Baker Mayfield coming off the highs of last week where he looked really, really good against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals in his first game without OBJ and then to just fall flat on his face in this one against a really good Patriots defense. But nonetheless, I mean, he looked rough out there in this one. It was just not a good look for him. I think it just shows that as much as like a lot of people want to, you know, simplify the issues here that, you know, oh, Baker Mayfield, he looks bad with OBJ and he looks good without him so just get rid of OBJ and Baker Mayfield's going to be awesome again and I think we're trying starting to see here that you know we cannot be using you know small sample sizes like that and again we don't want to overreact to this small sample size to just one game of course but um, I think it just goes to show that you know Baker Mayfield he's been an up and down quarterback throughout his career uh, in Cleveland and he's certainly been up and down this season um, to say the least, to be kind, because he's he's had some struggles so far this season, just in general. And I think this is kind of an example of um, where, you know, Baker Mayfield, there are a lot more issues with Baker Mayfield and this Browns offense than just, you know, a diva receiver not getting on the same page with the quarterback in the offense here. And, you know, it brings up a lot of questions for this Browns organization is of, 
you know, is Baker Mayfield the guy going forward? Will they commit to him moving forward? He's got one more year left on his contract on the fifth year option, but is Baker Mayfield the guy that you can extend or do you have to look for an upgrade here in the not so distant future? Yeah. See, Baker is one of the most interesting case studies, because if you remember the first kind of two years of his career, it was just all up and down. I mean, the rookie season was whatever it was. And then halfway through his sophomore season, they go ahead and they fire Hugh Jackson, the head coach. And then John Dorsey, the general manager is fired. And then in comes Andrew Berry, as well as Kevin Stefanski. And then all of a sudden they fully turn it around. But then also you look at, I think that with OBJ now out of the picture and Jarvis Landry kind of being the number one, there's some really nice pieces on that Cleveland offense. I think that this, the injuries to players like, Nick Chubb, who's on the reserve COVID-19 list, and then Kareem Hunt, who I believe is still on injured reserve. Those injuries are showing us one thing. They're showing that those guys, those running back, that running game was more successful to the Browns offense, was more responsible for the success of the Browns offense, as well as on an individual level for Baker Mayfield than a lot of people anticipated. And I think that for a lot of people, they're seemingly split on Baker Mayfield because we've seen at times he has been the guy that's been the reason the Browns have won games. But then also there's this whole other half of it, which is Baker Mayfield's basically a product of the talent around him. And he is just developing into someone that's an above average quarterback. So he's a quarterback that you're going to need a lot of pieces around for him to even be successful, including a really good scheme as well as a really good play caller. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that Kevin Stefanski and that Browns offense, they do have a good infrastructure, but I think they definitely do need a true number one wide receiver. For whatever reason, things just did not work with OBJ, and I'll just never understand that. You know, is it is that a problem with OBJ? Is that a problem with, you know, the offense? Is that a problem with Baker? And I think we're starting to see that it's just a culmination of problems with all three where it just it didn't come together. And I, I, it's going to be tough because there's a lot there's a lot of hype for this Browns team going into the season they're five and five right now I still think they're a great team you know we saw them kick the Bears ass certainly uh, when they played each other in week three so there's a ton of talent in Cleveland it can they put it together though and that's just kind of like been the story of this the sad story of this Browns franchise forever it seems like to where they you know you know they have such a diehard fan, uh, fan base uh, they have a lot of passion there and it just seems like they can just never get out of that factory of sadness that just continues just to just overwhelm the, the sports scene in Cleveland there. So, 
you will end up seeing what happens over there in Ohio there. But speaking of Ohio, we have some uh, college football to talk about here when it comes to Michigan going up against Ohio State this upcoming weekend in college football. Um, it's really going to be the story of this weekend, uh, in, in my opinion, at least. This is kind of the big game that I'm looking forward to seeing. But before we get to this game, you said, we got to talk about uh, Mel Tucker, the coach for uh, Michigan State, getting a 10-year extension done. Now, for those who may not remember, Mel Tucker was the former defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears during the Mark Trestman years, where uh, the Bears had his two historically bad defenses defenses in, in the time that Tucker was here coaching the Bears on that side of the ball. And to see him now, after a couple of years in Michigan State, really has turned the program around here where they're one of the better programs in college football right now. Uh, they've really established themselves as a force to be reckoned with in the Big Ten over the past couple of years. And all the credits of Mel Tucker, in the, uh, all, the, all credit in the world to Mel Tucker because he's done a fantastic job over there uh, in Spartanville. Yeah, I mean, big credit to Mel Tucker for kind of coming in and turning this Michigan State program around for, again, what was once what a lot of people consider to be a really storied program. I mean, I think that the Michigan-MSU rivalry certainly become more fun. And then ultimately, when you look at Mel Tucker, I mean, never really worked out in the NFL. We have to keep in mind is that his the Bears defense in the two years that he was here was so devoid of talent to the point where you had players like Charles Tillman and Lance Briggs just way past their primes and way up there in age two, and that there were never really any kind of serious reinforcements. I mean, in the two years Tucker was here, his best player was probably cornerback Kyle Fuller on the defensive side of the ball. And that really speaks a lot because Fuller did go on to be a really good player, but ultimately at the end of the day, the Bears defense never really had enough talent, but then Tucker also didn't help by not using whatever he was given to the best of its abilities and putting those players in a position to succeed. So for Mel, he's just a classic case of where really good run at Georgia gets the job at Michigan state. And now everyone seemingly is buying into it. And again, at the end of the day, he's just a coach who's coaching philosophy and style is better suited for college catering to kind of 19, 20, 21 year olds than it is to grown adults at the professional level. Yeah, absolutely. And we can clearly see it that Mel Tucker just has a connection with, uh, you know, his players there at Michigan State. He's just doing a great job of, you know, bringing talented players in and getting the most out of them. Uh, I think, um, you know, the biggest example of that right now is what they have with, you know, and hope a hopeful Heisman, well, a, a potential Heisman hopeful here in Kenneth Walker bringing him in from, I believe it was Wake Forest who they brought him in from. And he's just been awesome for them at running back uh, this year. We've talked about him a couple of times on the podcast here, you said. Uh, he's really been the spark plug for this Michigan State offense as a whole. And really this program essentially has benefited from him transferring over here. So, I mean, that was a huge addition for uh, this Michigan State football program. And, you know, it's tough because, you know, Mel Tucker did have a bit of a tough act to follow here. We can talk about Mark D'Antonio being the coach for Michigan State um, for such a long time. Uh, here won a bunch of bowl games here as Michigan State head coach um, and you know I'm not saying that Mark D'Antonio had this Michigan State team in college football championship contender status which 
you know, it seems like Mel Tucker is building this team on its way to doing that. Um, but, you know, certainly a step in the right, a huge step in the right direction for this football program. And I'm excited to see what they do here because obviously Mel Tucker is going to have a bad, leave a bad taste in many Bears fans' mouths because of what happened in 2013 and 2014. I mean, those defenses that he coached were awful. But I, I don't want to bag on him too much for that because we have to keep in mind that, like you said, the talent on, on those defenses were not very good. You know, they were just transitioning from the Lovey Smith era where, you know, a lot of those older veteran players were either way past their prime, uh, falling off, you know, their productive years in their careers, or just going out the door completely and retiring. And they, they bring in Mel Tucker, who's not accustomed to running Tampa 2, and they're asking him to run the same you know, defense that Lovey Smith ran. And it was just a recipe for disaster there. So um, I credit Mel Tucker for his job at Michigan State. And we'll see what happens this upcoming weekend because we have to talk about the big game here between Michigan State and Ohio State. And why this is a big game, obviously, is because Ohio State currently ranked four in the college football playoff poll. Michigan State is ranked seventh. Um, and this is an interesting case where you have Ohio State, a team that you know they have one loss on the record this year, uh, earlier in the year to Oregon. But ever since then, they've pretty much been, pretty much been playing lights out football. Uh, C.J. Stroud, a quarterback, you know, a young quarterback we talked about, who had some struggles early on this season. But ever since then, it seems like ever since the Oregon game, uh, he's really been fantastic so far this season and really has stacked together good performances uh, as we get to the, to the end of the regular season here. And, you know, going up against this Michigan State team, who we all know that you know, they want to run the ball with Kenneth Walker. They, they just want to pound you into the ground and, you know, ride his talents to success and, and, you know, ride their defense to success. So this is going to be an interesting matchup here. And there's a lot on the line going into this game on Saturday. Yeah, there really is. And I'm excited to see Michigan State versus Ohio State mainly because I enjoy watching wide receivers and the Buckeyes have two of the best in the country with – Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Now, 2022 draft grades are far from finalized, but I think that you have to keep an eye on Wilson and Olave because the Bears are going to be in the market for a wide receiver next year. Now, I personally think that Garrett Wilson, just both Wilson as well as Olave are really smooth operators, really good wide receivers, and very top of their class for 2020-22. But I just think that Garrett Wilson's play style, he's just so smooth, so slick. He's kind of a speedster too. He's just a much better fit for this offense. But then again, also when you go back and you look at Ohio State's 2019 and 2020 film, I mean, Fields' connection with Chris Olave really stuck out as kind of being the one that put that Ohio State offense over the top. And then another Ohio State player to keep an eye on is tight end Jeremy Ruckert, who by no means is a top-tier prospect at the tight end position, but he also was kind of a security blanket for Justin Fields. And again, the Bears could have to look into adding another tight end, especially if Jimmy Graham retires in the offseason and Cole Komet can't continue to develop and really take that next step. Yeah, I mean, certainly the Bears are going to be looking to add some more weapons to their offense, I, I think, next offseason. We, we talked about this a bunch over the past couple of weeks, but um, that, that you know, Darnell Mooney is the only wide receiver under contract next year. Again, like you said, we don't know exactly what the Bears have in Cole Komet just as of yet. You know, I'm personally not extremely high on his prospects to be a difference maker in this offense, um, but he did have a good game in his last game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So credit where credit is due there. It does look like that Komet is 
starting to develop a little bit here. And that, that might've been kickstarted by Justin Fields being inserted into the starting lineup where, you know, this passing game can kind of, you know, come into his own a little bit. So that might help Cole Komet a little bit, you know, again, I'm not the highest on Cole Komet, but I think you do have to give him some, to some time still to kind of prove what he is as a player, but certainly they could definitely look to add more talent there. If they want to run more 12 and 13 personnel with multiple tight end sets, I think that's certainly something to where Jeremy Rucker could be in play for them there in the middle rounds of this, of this upcoming draft. So that's definitely a name to keep an eye on, but I, I agree. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are kind of the two big names to keep an eye on for this game for the bears, because again, both of these guys are, I would say they're first round talents, but wide receiver is such a deep position group typically going into these drafts and certainly going into uh, free agency next year that I'm not sure how the NFL is going to handle the wide receiver in this upcoming draft. Are, are these guys going to go really high in the draft or will some of them slip to where maybe the bears can take advantage and get one of these guys. And, uh, you know, certainly I, I would assume that if Ryan Pace is still here as a GM, which again, I think we've discussed, we probably don't agree with, with we probably wouldn't agree with that decision for Ryan Pace to stay, but, you know, assuming that he does stay, it sounds like the conversation has kind of been that Ryan Pace is, it, it's looking like his job is safe um, outside of a huge catastrophe to end this year. Um, but we know that Ryan Pace loves to be aggressive. He loves to trade up. And I can imagine a situ- a scenario where if you know, Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, if one of those two are on the board in the late first round, early second round, I could definitely see the Bears looking to you know package a couple of picks and move up to get you know one of those two guys and try to take advantage of the connection that uh, Justin Fields had with them over at Ohio State because we're seeing what Justin Fields having that chemistry with Darnell Mooney is kind of doing for uh, their relationship together as a quarterback to wide receiver duo. You know, it's it's helped elevate. I think what Darnell Mooney who. You know, I think of him as more of a wide receiver two on a good offense who, you know, has some good, you know, deep threat ability, has good um, yak ability with his speed and change direction, but not a true number one because, you know, they're just the lack of size, lack of physicality, the lack of a, a tremendous catch radius does hurt him a little bit to be a true number one. But as a number two, I think he's great. But with a quarterback like Justin Fields, where you get that special connection going, you know, now you, you can get into a conversation where he can act as a pseudo wide receiver one for you. They still need talent at that wide wide receiver position, obviously. So again, I, I look at it to where, you know, we, we saw, you know, how drafting a, a, a wide receiver with a special connection with your quarterback can really help your offense with what the Bengals did this past draft with, you know, drafting Jamar Chase for Joe Burrow and capitalizing on their connection from college together you know, could Ryan Pace, if he's still the GM here or, or whoever's a GM with Chicago, look to do the same thing here with Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave? I think that's something worth exploring here. Yeah, it really is. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I think that the Bears' needs are becoming more and more apparent as time progresses. And then also, this is just a general trend across the NFL is that what happens is going into year two of a rookie quarterback's contract, you're seeing teams just seemingly say, hey, we need to invest more and more into the quarterback. And that includes surrounding him with as much talent as possible. Now, the Bears have certainly been down this road before in 2018, going after guys like Robinson, Gabriel, Trey Burton in free agency. But then ultimately, I think that there's also the other side of this where you're going into a year where it's going to be an intriguing free agency class. Guys like Zach Pascal, Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Gallup, Chris Godwin are going to hit free agency now. 
The question is, is, are the Bears going to be willing to dish out money also with no first or fourth round pick? How do you go ahead and handle that, right? Because you have a second round pick where the Bears have been pretty good. Okay, some top tier names drafted in the second round include Eddie Goldman, James Daniels. Um, you also have Cody White here in that list, but then you don't have a fourth round pick either. In the third round, your best pick is David Montgomery, who probably isn't going to be here in another year or two because he's a running back, and you running backs typically don't make it to the second contract. And then you also have other needs on the defensive side of the ball, such as cornerback that you're going to have to get figured out, and then your middle linebacking core, Roquan Smith's the face of your defense, but Danny Trevathan, Alec Ogletree continue to get older. So the Bears are going to have to figure a lot out here, and certainly I think that – they should be well represented by scouts as well as the front office in this MSU OSU game. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, there's a ton of talent on the field in general, but you know, you look at all the needs that the Bears have next this next off off season. You know, there are a lot of roster spots and a lot of starting spots to fill, and of course, like the depth in general in this roster is just getting to a point where it's it's ridiculous. They need to really restock the depth here on this roster with new young talent and. You know, they don't have a lot of picks to do that. But, you know, when you talk about, you know, like you said, what's the best thing going forward here? The best thing for this Bears organization as a whole is doing the right thing and the best thing for Justin Fields and his development. And certainly when you have, you know, the talent on display that Ohio State has an offense, and even with kind of a guy like Kenneth Walker in the backfield, you talk about like, you know, would the Bears consider trading maybe David Montgomery uh, next offseason, try and get, you know, the capitalize off of his value. You know, maybe you replace him with a guy like Walker who's got more explosiveness and juice to his game. So I'm not saying that's what they would or should do, but I'm just throwing it out there that there are a lot of possibilities for this Bears team going to the draft. But certainly I think it starts at wide receiver. It then goes to the offensive line, and then everything works off of that from there. And we'll just have to see what the Bears strategy is going forward. I got to say, in terms of just sticking to the game here, I am really excited to watch this game this upcoming Saturday. Uh, it'll, it'll be a fun one, uh, certainly. Uh, you know, this is a big time, big time game. I think the winner of this game here um, is going to go on to represent the Big Ten in the college football playoff here. So, a lot on the line in this game and a lot of talent on the field to look forward to. So, you know, for Bears fans looking to get a preview of some of the prospects in this upcoming draft, as well as, you know, just to see some Big Ten football here, um, you know, definitely an exciting one to look out for here on Saturday. All right. So, now with that, all that out of the way, uh, we should go on to our interview that we had, or I should say that you say had with Nate Collins, because um, I was not able to make that interview, but you say was able to sit down with Nate Collins here, former player for the Chicago Bears in 2012 and 2013. Uh, I was able to talk to him about, you know, his playing career with the Chicago Bears and, you know, what to look for in defensive line play in general. So a lot of good stuff in that conversation with Nate Collins. So here's that interview with Nate Collins. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Joining us now on the Picks for Pace podcast, we've got our first ever former Bears player. If you remember him from the Mark Trustman days, Nate Collins is in the house. He was a defensive lineman for a couple of years. Nate, what's going on? How you doing? Thanks so much for being on here. I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on. And it's an honor to be the first actual former player on your on your podcast. Yeah, it definitely is. It's weird because we've had like on like NFL draft prospects and we've had on like scouts and things like that, but never really a former player. And I always feel like for getting players on people that have actually played defense in Chicago is always exciting because I mean, you know, this more than I guess anyone that Chicago is a defense first town. So I have to ask you, I mean, what's it like to play defense in Chicago? It's, it's awesome. I, I would say Chicago is one of the most historic NFL teams and to be a part of it and have a chance to kind of learn a little bit more. You learn about, the, the McCaskies and all the history behind the team and and things about Chicago that you probably wouldn't ordinarily know unless you're a super fan or you're from that area and from Chicago and a fan. It, it, it's special. And then to be a part of it and kind of having to live with the fans, the good and the bad it, as a player, it, it, it's something to live for and, and to like to, to wake up and wanted to want to go to practice and play. So, I mean, you mentioned the Bears fan base basically being diehard. Is there like a specific memory or something that you have from your playing days here that you kind of look at and you're like, hey, that's something that'll carry with me forever? That we had 10 wins the year that they fired Lovey Smith and just the ups and downs of that season and not thinking that we're doing that bad. And you read you read headlines and you just have to understand that Reporters have a job to do and they have to make things interesting to read. But as my first year being there and kind of being on a team and part of a team and you're reading the headlines and some of the stuff, you're just like, this isn't really going on, but it's part of the game. And every every city's different when it comes to that. And I feel like it's just something you have to adapt to when you're in Chicago. OK, so you brought the headlines up and I think that's certainly really interesting do I'm curious to know because I've always wanted to know this being a journalist myself. Do players actually read the stuff that like the media puts out? And how does that stuff kind of circulate in locker rooms? How is that stuff perceived in your circles? So to to you, like to be honest, we we all read, we all read, we all read the headlines and things, but like when you're asking realistically, we don't want anyone to know that we are. So like everyone's going to say, no, nah, we don't pay attention to headlines. We don't we don't. Re-. I would say it's better to say that guys may or may not pay attention to the headlines, but we're reading them like most most guys are reading them. I wouldn't say all of them, but I would say if you're not a rookie or like first or second year guy that sometimes guys are coming into the league and they just have so many other things going on that they're not really or they're just really focused on football that they're not paying attention to that. Um, but I would say that most most guys on a team, if, if there's a headline about you in the paper that's circulating or online, you, it, it's going to cross your face. And whether you deal with it in a negative or positive or a nonchalant way that ends up being on you. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I've always wondered because it's like 
I mean, you know this, and I know this too. The Bears have like a crazy stringent media or PR policy type thing. But I have to ask you, I mean, what's one lesson you think you took away from playing specifically in Chicago that you think you'd carry with yourself for the rest of your life? That there's people that that spend their hard-earned money like to to come in and to support you and to to play. And there's there's really diehard fans. And and I think in Chicago, I, I really got a gist of that and being around some of the fans that you meet and some of the people who are coming to the game, some of the people you always see standing outside the hotels waiting for autographs. And then you see them standing outside of the, the stadium waiting for autographs. And you see these some some of these type of things and how people spend, choose to spend their time and their money and whatever, whatever else they have going on in their lives. But they do that to try to get in front of their favorite player, to try to get a picture with their favorite player or get their child in a picture with uh, a, a player. It, it, it makes you just, it, it makes you feel good. Like when you're, when you're doing well and you're kind of fulfilling what these fans want. Um, but it's, it's also, it's a give and a take. It's also hard when you're necessarily on a team that's maybe not doing well and the fans, they, they want you to do better and you, you obviously want to do better for them also. Yeah, I mean, I always find fascinating how small younger Bears fans take like the little kids in like preschool, elementary school. They absolutely love going up to the players during training camp. They don't care who it is. They will literally scream their lungs out just because, oh, I got to meet someone. It's always one of the most underrated parts of training camp. But I mean, you got the opportunity to play with Jay Cutler. And I know he's such a polarizing figure here in Chicago. Um, talk to us about Jay, because I feel like there's been so many misconceptions and so many differences of opinion about him. I mean, we know him through who he was as a player for people on the outside. They know him through what he was portrayed as in the media, including the reality TV show that his ex-wife has. But talk to us about Jay. I think Jay's a good guy. I, I, I tell everyone who tells about who talks about Dre or brings him up. It's probably one of the most. Um, popular questions as like an ex-bear is is asking like how's Jay Cutler and I would say Jay Cutler the only negative thing about Jay Cutler Jay Cutler wanted to come he came in and he wanted to win just like everyone else he wanted to play football um I just feel like he wasn't a leader in a sense that on a football team your quarterback doesn't have to be your main leader but he has to somewhat be one of the vocal leaders or I think guys are usually used to that, that aspect in a locker room. And with Jay Cutler, I wouldn't say we necessarily had that, but it's not taken away from, he doesn't want to win. He doesn't care. I think he is more of a guy that, Hey, I want to go put on my pads and I want to go out here and sling the ball 50, 60 times and, and try to, and try to win. And um, I think that, for some people who, for media, I think they want the quarterback to be in a more pol- polarizing position and maybe more vocal and see them get angry at guys and maybe coaching them up. And I, I, I don't think he did that enough in the media's eyes where people, I, I, people held that against him. But I think Jay's a good guy. Like, I, I don't have anything. I think he's, he was a great football player. Um, I, 
I think the quarterback position just in general in the NFL is probably one of the hardest jobs in, in like in the country, it, believe it or not, just for like we we're talking about the media aspect, the mental aspect, the physical aspect and everything wrapped in. I feel like a lot of people, they, 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 they throw a lot of weight onto the quarterback. And I feel like Jay was a guy that that happened to a lot. Yeah. I, it, look, I tell people, I'm like, quarterback's already a tough position to play, no matter what level you're playing at, from like Bill George to Pop Warner to high school to college to the NFL. But then you amplify the fact that Chicago was such a big fan base. It's a fan base that is going to love you one minute and then absolutely just hate you the next moment. I think that what happens is to play quarterback in Chicago, I feel like is tougher to play it in any other city in the NFL. No, I, I would agree with you. I, I don't know um, like if they have stats on that, but it's it's probably one of the, the tougher cities. I mean, it's a big city. It's a great, like, great fan base. And usually when you have good fan bases, you have to take the good with the bad. And um, people, if they're going to spend money on season tickets and, and to root you on, you have to be ready for what happens when you're not winning and they don't feel like they're getting their money's worth. So... It, 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 you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah. And speaking of good with the bad, I mean, let's fast forward here to 2021. Cause I feel like we've talked plenty about your time with the bears as well as the past. I mean, are you following the bears at all? And kind of what have your impressions been of this year's team and just the years past under Matt Nagy? So like we were just talking about quarterback position is probably one of the hardest positions, hardest jobs to have and when it's when it's with the having a young quarterback when you have a young guy at that position it 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 just makes it a lot a lot a lot harder and tougher um Justin Fields he he's had a tough start to the season I mean obviously you guys are three and six not the best record that you want um but I think he's having flashes um that show that he can he can definitely play at this level, um, but it, it, I I think that position it, it's just going to take time, and they don't necessarily have all the pieces around him that um, that I I feel like the fans and everyone would want to make things like to make things a little bit better. But it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how how he finishes out the season. Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun to watch. I mean, so kind of that was just my one question about the current state of the Bears. But I have to ask you, I mean, what's life after football been like for you? Tell fans that are listening to this podcast pretty much all over the world what you're up to. Um, So for me right now, other than podcasting um, with my, my college, um, my college teammate and two time Super Bowl, Chris Long and the, at the Greenlight Pod, other than doing that, I I do reselling um, for eBay. So I'm 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 a thrifter. Um, I I go to Salvation Armies, Goodwills, and other 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 stores like that, and find cheap items that I can resell for a profit on eBay. Um, I have a seasonal job that I just finished on a on a farm on a turkey farm out here in Crozet, and um, we 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 process and get turkeys ready <laughs> to sell um, to people. And the farm I work on, it, it happens to sell like one of the most expensive turkeys 
in the country, about $13 a pound, Kelly Bronze. And we just finished, um, I just finished the turkey season for that. So I've been doing what turkeys, YouTube, eBay, and just, just kind of staying busy and podcasting. So you've got all that going on. Any plans to actually get into coaching the game at like the high school level, maybe? So not yet. I, I would say that I think at some point I will get into maybe training and, and maybe helping out with the team. But I, I don't think I want to full out say I want to get into like coaching. But I, I, would, I wouldn't mind maybe finding a few, um, uh, a few young um, D linemen and teach them some techniques and maybe go through like some drills on, on, on a more personal level. But as for all out like coaching at the high school level, I think it would take me uh, a few more years um, to, to kind of probably like settle down mentally before I, I, I would think about doing that. So speaking of defensive linemen, I actually work at a high school here in the western suburbs of Chicago. And okay. working at this school, my uh, the school that I work at, actually, our football team is in the semifinals for Class 7A of the IHSA playoffs. So hey, we've got some really good... Congrats. We got some, yeah, thank you. So we have some really good defensive linemen. So, And this is obviously one of the big games of the life for these guys. So what advice would you give to them um, going into such a big game? Because if they win this one, it's on to the state finals. Hey, soak it up. Like some of those guys, you said high school, right? Yep. Yeah, for some of those guys, it might be your last football game. You have to think about it like that. Not everyone's going to get the chance to move on to the next level or – the guys who do move on to the next level, it, it might not, it might not be a situation where, where it, it, it's the same feeling for you. So you you guys need to go out there and um, go out there, have a good time, and leave it all out in the field, and just know, like, go out there and have fun with with the guy next to you, and and have it like have it in the back of your head that hey, like, we can make this memory like any way we want it, whether it's a good one or a bad one, but. We, if we leave it all on the field, like it'll be memorable for all of us. So what kind of advice, and that's some really good stuff right there, but what do you think goes into playing or being a really good defensive lineman? <sighs> pad level, pad level, hand speed, and uh, I would say mental toughness. Um, it's, a, it's a tough game in the trenches, and a lot of it is like, staying low and, 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 and leverage. But even before that, it, it's, it's, it's mentally putting yourself in, in, in the mindset that, Hey, I, I, I want to go in here and smash helmets 40 times today, 40, 50 times and, and just being ready for it. Um, it, it it's a, it, football is a game, especially in defensive line. It, it's taxing physically, but um, I think people underestimate like how much it is taxing, like um, mentally also. So it's it's trying to tie all that together. But I think if you get in the mindset that, hey, I'm ready to go in here and and take this pain or, or dish out this pain for for an hour, like coming up in this game or however, however many snaps I'm going to get. I think that that I think that helps you get your body moving and, and in motion. Was there, and we'll wrap up here about two or three more questions, but was okay. there any teammate during your time in Chicago that you really enjoyed playing with? Someone that you may have like a lifetime connection with? Um, I wouldn't say like anyone lifetime connection with, but I obviously I, I 
really, really enjoyed playing um, next to Julius Peppers. Um, I, I think I got on the field a few times with him, but being in a locker room and being able to practice um, next to someone like that and um, gain wisdom and, and just see someone someone that good at at the position that you're playing and you're a part of, watching someone, being able to watch someone work their techniques on a daily basis, it's it's very like for for a player it's very satisfying and it's very it, it's something that I, I tell everyone it, it was always fun to be at practice and and you get to watch someone like Julius Peppers and then um we had Henry Melton on our team and just being able to watch certain guys like work their craft it, it, it's always special even um playing against the offense and seeing Matt Forte run and and Devin Hester catch punts in practice. It, it's some of those things that I, I tell people it's special to be a part of and and it's a different it's a different thing. But I would say for the D line um, aspect, it, it's definitely Julius Peppers. Yeah, Julius is. I remember vividly the day that he signed with the Bears because I was in like sixth or seventh grade at the time, <laughs> and I got home. It was NFL free agency. The Big, they had the big program NFL Network was running, and I have a bowl of cereal. I know this is three in the afternoon, but I had a bowl of cereal, and I, I turned on, and then I see on the bottom of the screen, like the ticker flashes, oh, breaking news, the Bears are signing Julius Peppers. And so it's memories like those that you really tend to remember, especially being younger, because you never know, like, all right, I'm coming into this league, and this is what I'm doing, but then these guys that have done it for so long at such a high level consistently are the ones that I can look to if I'm really going to continue to make a name for myself. And then on top of it is just a guy like that. It's if you're a D lineman, any good D lineman, you watch other good D linemen. Like you watch what they're doing. You watch to learn moves and techniques. And as a young guy, like Julius Peppers, I just feel like if he's not on your list, like they're, they're, you're either not watching tape the right way or you're not watching the right guys. But I, I would say he's on every like D lineman's list to to check out. But it was it was something for me. I got to see it in person. So it was it was it was special. It was special for sure. Yeah, special certainly the way to kind of describe a guy like Julius Peppers who's probably already got a Hall of Fame bus waiting for him in Canton. But you mentioned you're doing podcasting. So before we wrap up here, I mean, kind of tell our listeners, where can people follow your work and follow you on social media too? So um, you can listen to me and Chris on Greenlight Mondays, um, NFL recap show um, Monday morning, and then additional Greenlight episodes. They air on Wednesdays and Fridays. And then um, me on social media, um, I'm a big Twitter user, so you can follow me on there at BigN98. Um, and, and yeah, I, I would say that's pretty much. And then um, YouTube, um, it's the green light tube on YouTube. And then um, the real deals also on YouTube. And that's, my, that's for my, um, my eBay and reselling stuff. Gotcha. So guys, Nate's got a lot going on. So <laughs> you certainly have to, he's someone that you always want to be in touch with because you just tell with this interview that really great football player and even better person too. But Nate, this has been fun. We'll definitely have to do it again sometime. Yeah. Just let me know. And I see, yeah, we do. I, I've been following you for a little while on Twitter. Like I, I like more than a couple of months. Right. I would say. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I have. So yeah. So um, anytime you um, want me on, just let 
I don't know who you got in contact with before, but just, yeah, just let Matt know. And um, we could do this again for sure. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get out of this thing. Um... You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. Uh, a lot of great stuff from that interview with Nate Collins there. You said, uh, what was kind of your biggest takeaway from your conversation that you had with him? And, you know, just in general, what he talked about, whether it was with the Bears or just defensive line play in general, uh, you know, what was the biggest takeaway from you there? Yeah, I think that just the biggest takeaway was Nate kind of talked to us at the beginning of the interview about how playing defense in Chicago is essentially different from playing defense in any other in, for any other franchise in the NFL because when you're winning, the fans love you. When you're losing, the fans are going to let you hear it. But it's also that passion. The passion of the fans just is what really sticks out to players and continues to bring you back. And then just getting a chance to talk to him about how, Nate, hey, you were in the trenches, you know, what goes into good defensive line play and him talking about stuff like pad level. I think that that stuff really sticks out to me because oftentimes it's just like everyone kind of has their own definition of what really goes into good defensive line play. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes into, you know, what we talked about in terms of how do we evaluate these guys coming into the draft? You know, what are some of the things you have to look for in interior defensive line play and getting a little peek of what a former NFL defensive lineman said there. Um, it certainly helps add a little bit more perspective to what we're looking forward here to when we evaluate and scout these guys going forward in the next upcoming months as we enter you know, the winter here, and then that moves into the spring. And obviously when draft season really starts to kick into gear. So a lot of great stuff from Nate Collins there. And, you know, to wrap things up now for the podcast today for us, uh, let's get to this bears game going up against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Um, so we're in transition there right away here. So let's get into um, our predictions and preview for this one here. So I'm gonna go to you. You said, uh, what is your prediction for this game? Who do you think is going to win? What do you think the score is going to be? And ultimately, what do you think is going to be the biggest X factor uh, for this one as Bears, they come back home off the bye week to play the Ravens? Yeah, so I'm going to say Ravens 27, Bears 21. I mean, the Ravens are a team that always bounces back after an unruly and unquestioned and unexpected tough loss like happened in week 10 against the Miami Dolphins because the Ravens were all over the place in that game, let's just say for lack of better terminology. But then my X factor for this game is going to be the health of the Bears. You look at this injury report on Wednesday and Thursday for the second straight day, basically, okay, no Kaplan Mack, no Allen Robinson, no Akeem Hicks. Then you have Danny Trevath and Alec Ogletree, who are your first and second string middle linebackers on the injury report. And then you have Eddie Jackson, who was limited in practice today with a um, – I believe it's a hamstring injury. And then you've also got Thornell Mooney, who's a limited participant in practice, but still on the injury report. So the Bears could be in a situation where they will need to really dig deep on the roster and rely on third, fourth string guys to kind of pick up the slack here in order to go ahead and um, be able to even be competitive against the Ravens. And I think that when we talk about the Ravens, right, 
what are two things they're really good at coaching and execution their coaching their execution is what makes them so good in addition to their talent and in all three categories now coaching execution talent the ravens are far more superior than the bears are yeah, absolutely. This is a, a game where I think the storyline is going to be between it's really going to center around injuries and the injury report for both of these teams because both of these teams are banged out. The Ravens, they've been they've been just absolutely decimated by injuries all season long to key players. And now it sounds like that Lamar Jackson is a little bit questionable because he's dealing with a illness right now. So we don't even know if Lamar Jackson is going to be even playing. Although we certainly, I certainly hope he does play because I want to see this quarterback matchup between uh, Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson, two of the most exciting young talents in the game right now. So I, I want to see that quarterback matchup certainly, but it, it's something to look out for because if Lamar Jackson can't play, that changes everything for uh, the outlook and outcome of this game. Um, but you talk about the Bears and the injuries that they have, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, because it's it's all, it looks like you know this Bears offense it's starting to get back a little bit healthier. Tevin Jenkins, uh, he is now officially back in terms of he's in that. A three-week practice window where he can practice off of the IR, and you know the Bears basically have a couple of weeks to determine, you know, whether you know he's going to be good to come back for the rest of the year or whether they should sit him down on IR for the rest of the season. But you know they're hoping to get him back. You know, Al Robinson is dealing with a hamstring issue, it sounds like, but um, you know I don't know what his status will be, but I expect him to play. But it's the defense where I I do legitimately worry about where they're going to be at because you know Khalil Mack. He missed the last couple of games with a foot injury. He's been out the last couple of practices. You know, what is his, his stats going to be? Uh, and you talk about Eddie Jackson. He was out of the last game against the Pittsburgh Steelers and missed most of the 49ers game. You know, what is his status going to be going for? It sounds like he was limited at practice, but um, if he can't go, I mean, that's a huge loss for the secondary against Lamar Jackson, who's been, you know, of course, he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. So that hurts you immensely there. Um, so it, it's a tough situation for what this defense is dealing with. And then, you know, the, the interior in general, Akeem Hicks is clearly not 100% this year. We we've known that for a while now. Um, just a lot of problems across the board injury wise to a lot of key players here. So that'll be interesting to monitor here going forward. Um, in terms of my prediction, um, I'm going to go with the Ravens winning this game 30 to 23. I expect Lamar Jackson. This is again, this is assuming that Lamar Jackson plays and he's ready to go. So assuming that Lamar Jackson plays, I, I just have, I just, I just don't see how this bears defense can stop uh, this Ravens offense. I know they're banged up. I know they um, may not be as explosive with some of their wide receivers looking like they'll be out for this game and their offensive line certainly isn't great. Uh, they have a lot of injuries there. And that running game isn't as dominant, but you know, this bears defense just isn't the same unit. They're not stopping the run um, as good as they used to in the past. You know, Eddie Goldman hasn't been quite been the same player. He looks, he looked good against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but you know, all in all, he hasn't been the same guy this year that we've seen from him in the past as a dominant nose tackle. Again, Akeem Hicks has had his issues on the, uh, in terms of health. Um, and then the secondary, you know, who, they, who are they going to be able to cover here? You know, outside of Jalen Johnson, they just, if Eddie Jackson can't go, I mean, that's just that the secondary once again is a huge, huge error for huge, huge problem for me going into this game against a really smart coaching staff and a smart quarterback here on Lamar Jackson. So a, a lot of issues to tangle with there. Um, and then you then get to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, this is where the X factor for me comes into play. And that the X factor for me is going to be the offensive game plan for how the bears are going to handle the, the Ravens defense, because the Ravens defense, while they've had their struggles this year, I think they're, 
one of you know statistically i think they're one of the worst teams against the pass this year year i'll have to double check that but you know this ravens defense statistically speaking has not been great but when you look at you know schematically and strategically what they do they love to blitz they love to run a lot of man coverage here and what have been really the you know what has been uh the achilles heel of this bears offense it's been you know if you if they can't you know dominate running the ball and they get into these pass you know passing situations here where they have to pass it and defenses are kind of teeing off on them you know they have a hard time handling stunts they have a hard time handling blitzes justin fields does not do great against pressure typically this year as a rookie, which is to be expected. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that their wide receivers aren't separating very well against man coverage, which again, the Ravens love to run a lot of man coverage and get physical and up in your face with their defensive backs. So um, it's going to be a, a great test in terms of the matchup here for this Bears offense, because I think stylistically this Ravens defense is not a good match matchup for them. And it's going to be a situation to where, you know, they're going to have to step up. Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson, they're going to have to step up and get open against these physical feisty cornerbacks that the Ravens have. And Justin Fields, you know, how is, how is him and the coaching staff and the offensive line going to handle all the blitzes and stunts and, and all the simulated pressures that the Ravens are going to throw their way? Because they're going to try to do everything they can to confuse Justin Fields. And, you know, as a rookie quarterback, you know, we've seen progression from him, but it's, this is a, a whole new animal here because, you know, he's gone off against some pretty passive pass rushes in the past. We look at the Steelers and Niners and, you know, the Ravens, they, they don't really care about that. They're going to try and get after you. They're going to try to, if, if they see any weakness, they're going to try to exploit that weakness. And you know, it's going to be a tough test because I think Justin Fields, we've seen the growth through him throughout this year, especially over the past couple of weeks. You know, if he can have a big game here, I think I think that's going to be another you know test and another check mark here to kind of check off because you know this is a big test for him. And if he can excel, I think you have to feel very good about him moving forward here as we enter the second half of the season. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Picks for Pace podcast. I want to thank our listeners once again for tuning in to all podcasting platforms listening to us there make sure to follow us on twitter at picks for pace and just follow all of our updates that we do on there you said where can our listeners find your work and follow you on social media yeah guys you can follow me on twitter at said social check out my work on the bear report i've got articles dropping weekly also always excited to hang out and um interact with the listeners on the forums that we have so definitely check those out too yeah, absolutely. Make sure to check out you say it and definitely check us out in the Bear Report forums there. Uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25 and find my work on the Bear Report as well. Uh, you can make sure to check out my Track in the Trenches series where I break down offensive line and defensive line play in the passing game. Uh, if you're into numbers, if you're into all that stuff there, definitely check that out. And definitely check out the Bear Report on YouTube as well where we do a lot of film breakdown stuff. Haven't been able to uh, you know, get a video, some videos out in a while. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, just because of some technical issues that I'm working with, working through right now, I should say, but you know, I hope within the next couple of weeks that I can figure that out and definitely get some content for uh, all of you guys out there that are into film stuff and, and everything, breaking all that stuff down. So once again, I want to thank you guys for tuning into another episode for us here at the Fix for Base podcast. We're hoping for, you know, it was a quiet week with the bio week this past week or so, but we're hoping that with the Bears back this weekend, you know, it, it can get get back to have some fun again because the bears they're looking to make a playoff push. And of course we want to see what Justin Fields does um, developing week in week out here coming forward 
over the next couple of weeks. So without further ado, that's going to do it for us here at Picks for Pace. Have a fun and safe weekend, Bears fans, and bear down. We'll see you guys next week after this Bears-Ravens game. And hopefully we can talk to you guys about talk to you guys after you know that Thanksgiving game against the Lions. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com